0: It's working. So, good evening, everyone. Good evening to all who are present, whether you're here in person or online. Welcome to the third installment of our five-part series that's entitled "Getting to Know You, God." So, so the intent of this lesson is to explore better ways that we can develop an intimate relationship with God. And it is my prayer. It is my hope. And I also trust that each and every one of us develop an intimate relationship with God. I hope, trust, and pray that this is at the top of our spiritual bucket list. Let us pray. Our blessed Heavenly Father, we thank you, Father, for allowing us in these difficult times to travel, Father, around the city to arrive here safely. Father, we're thankful, Father, how you've protected us over the days, Father, in the years and the months and, and t- over time altogether. And, Father, we pray that as we study this lesson, Father, we will be, endeavor to want to have an intimate relationship with you and want to develop that relationship with you as we come to better understand who you are because by examining who you are as you examine us each and every day of our, our lives, Father, we love you and we thank you for hearing our prayer this day. These things we pray and thank you for in Christ Jesus' most holy name. Amen. So in today's lesson, we will examine how God's all-knowing character affects our everyday life and our spiritual development. In Mike Cope's book entitled One Holy Hunger, He talks about several myths, if you will, that people have about God. In our lesson tonight, the goal, as we stated earlier, is a better understanding of God. And to this end, what we want to do is we want to review a couple of the myths that have actually hindered our deeper knowledge and relationship with God. For example, We have noticed that God is spirit and God is spirit but he uses both human and material images to help us relate to him and who he is as God our father and additionally we see the greatness in the qualities that our God actually possess. This knowledge should inspire us to be like him, not to run away from him, not to be afraid of him, but to be like him. Imitating god's holiness is the best way to grow in the knowledge of god in other words the best way to know god is to imitate god and imitating his holiness requires us to do two things first of all it requires us to be where he is and when i say be where he is we we know that in prayer he's there we know that in service he's there we know that in worship he's there and the list goes on and on because we're told in all that we do in word and deed do all in the name of the lord and number 2 to act in a way that he acts understanding that 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 that, that he acts with purity and when we think about god's purity we need to think about god and absolute purity So knowing God then is the reward of the spiritual life that that would actually lead a Christian. And now you got the word Christian, and I'm going to come back and talk about it a little bit more in a moment as a sidebar. But in this lesson, we will look at another misconception about God. The idea that God is only interested in judging us. God is only interested in condemning us. And that the Christian life is only a life that's about rules and regulations. Now, I'm about to say something, and some of you guys were probably thinking like this too, way back when, when we were real babes in Christ. I mean, shortly after we became Christians and we came out of the waters of baptism, we were going about our lives, maybe we were thinking like this too. When I first became a Christian the one quality of God's personality that really really bothered me was his omniscience the fact that he is all-knowing now at the same time I was happy to know that God was all powerful oh yeah I was happy to know that God was all good I was happy to know that God was all wise now why is this because you see I figure one day I'm going to be in trouble I'm going to have a need and it's nice to know God can take care of these things however that he knew everything about me made me feel a little uncomfortable he knew what I thought he witnessed and judged every word that I spoke he witnessed and judged everything that I did be it good or bad the idea of not being able to have anything secret boy, it can make you a bit paranoid it could drive a person to abandon God if that person doesn't realize how God sees or exposes life every day. In a moment, we're going to be going to Psalm 139. So go ahead and turn over there. Psalms 139. And now David, king of Israel, in Psalm 139, explored the idea of nakedness before God. And he came to both a comforting and encouraging observation as he examined the one who was examining him. Now what is interesting about this particular psalm is that David goes from being closed to God, even running away from him, to being fully open and accepting God. And his complete presence in his life. In other words, this is what I'm saying. Instead of being closed to God, he became close to God. We too can achieve this relationship if we so desire. You have to think about it. One time we made the decision to be closed to God, then we made a decision to be close to God. This psalm helps us to understand the phenomenon of of God being continually with us and and how that complete intimate knowledge affects a person. Psalm 139 at verse 1, the Bible reads, O Lord, you have searched me, you have known me. Two verbs, search and know. O God, you have searched me god does this searching through the holy spirit as we read in romans chapter 8 verses 26 and 27 oh lord you have known me the, the this 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 penetrating look into our spirit by the all wise holy spirit produces not only a casual acquaintance or a general idea of who we are but it does something else it it it, it puts a deeper and intimate knowledge Of who we really are before us and and you know it it gets so deep sometimes that this is something that we may not even understand about ourselves we may not even be aware of it. it may even make us a little afraid but remember when we become christians and and strive to be the child god wants us to be the who we are the who we are becomes clearer and the what we were fades it becomes even blurred if you will so in the following verses what david does is he explains the results of this kind of knowledge i cannot hide from god and i am naked before him at all times Verse two, you know when I sit down and when I rise up, you understand my thoughts from afar. God is aware of us while we rest. God is aware of us when we rise up. God is aware of what we think about, good or bad. Verse three, you scrutinize my path and my lying down and are intimately acquainted with all my ways God knows what we do God knows where we go there are no secrets verse 4 even before there was a word on my tongue behold O oh Lord you know it all God knows what we are going to say before it's even said he therefore knows the intent of what it is we're saying it's not like that thing like in the in the movie tombstone when the guy would say something i think was curly bill and every time doc holliday of white earth would call him on here go i was just fooling i was just kidding but see god we can't tell you that to god because god knew the intent about he knows rather the intent of our hearts and we can't just can't say oh i was just kidding verse five you have enclosed me behind and before and laid your hand upon me such knowledge is too wonderful for me such knowledge is, is too high i cannot attain it attain it rather so god surrounds us both physically and god surrounds us spiritually and the intensity of this type presence is too much for the writer writer to grasp and you know what the intensity is too much at times for us to grasp as well for me to grasp verse 7. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed bed in Sheol, behold, you're there. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest parts of the sea, even there your hand will lead me and your right hand will lay hold of me. If I say surely the darkness will overwhelm me, the light and the light around me be night even the darkness is not dark to you and the night is as bright as day darkness and light are alike to you so what happens to david then david tries to imagine a place he wants this place where or this condition where he could actually get away from god he can actually hide from god but he has a conclusion he has a conclusion his conclusion is that even in the best hiding places darkness still cannot conceal him why because god is light and where he is there is no darkness and nothing is hidden from god david now realizes that he is virtually naked before god at this point david begins to see that hmm hmm his condition of nakedness before God may not necessarily be a bad thing. Instead of being uncomfortable or frightened, he begins to appreciate this special quality, if you will, that God has. Verse 13, For you formed my inward parts, you wove me in my mother's womb. I would give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made ah for you adults that was here during the uh vbs last summer this is one of the verses that we were teaching the children i will give thanks to you for i am fearfully and wonderfully made wonderful are your works and my soul knows it very well my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth your eyes have seen my unformed substance and in your book were written all the days that were ordained for me when as yet there was not one of them David realizes that it is this this powerful knowledge that was at work if you will in creating him that powerful work that was there in creating me he recognizes that everything that exists it exists because of god's knowledge and for this reason for this reason he can rejoice in everything in other words he can look at the sun and rejoice in the sun because you know god made it i don't know how many times you guys have probably had this happen too where people have come to alaska and you've taken them out to that park there in the eagle river where you go to the end of the road and people stand there and every time i've taken someone out there it goes like they look at that and say wow now you know there's a god look at the magnificence of this He also recognizes that God knew from the beginning what David's life would be. But not only that, where his life would end. This brings him comfort. It should bring us comfort too. If God is with me at birth, if God is with me at death, then I am never alone because God is always with me. If David can come to that conclusion from, from his understanding and knowledge of God, we can say the same thing God is with me at birth, God is with me at death. There is never a time that God is not with me. I am never alone. And this attitude, then, his attitude that we, were, that we started out talking about, it changes. It changes from, I want to hide, to, this isn't so bad, to, hmm, I praise God. I praise God because he knows so much. Verse 17, how precious also are your thoughts to me, O God, how vast is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would outnumber the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. In his understanding of God's omnipresence, David moves from appreciation to praise for God's knowledge that has made his present life possible. And not only that, he knows about his future life as well. His feeling his feelings have gone through four stages, if you will. Stage number one. Yeah, as we started out reading this psalm, remember, there appeared to be discomfort at having someone knowledge surround him so much. And that's what I'm talking about when we come out from up there. There's that thing of knowing that there's this knowledge surrounding us. And we can't hide and it's just comforting. but then as we continue to grow in the word of god we were transitioning from babes in christ to mature christians we start to appreciate that knowledge and then we go to the next stage as we continue to grow there is praise for such great knowledge and then the fourth and final stage prayer and confidence based on that knowledge as Christians, we too experience these four stages. That is, if I am seeking an intimate relationship with God. Now, I said there was going to be a sidebar earlier about this word Christian. C-H-R-I-S-T-I-A-N. The last three letters, I-A-N, it means to follow Therefore, the word Christian, which was first applied to followers of Christ Jesus in Antioch, as we read, we we'll read later at Acts 11 and verse 26, means to follow Christ. It means to be followers of Christ. It means Christ's followers. So when you hear the word Christian... Forget about what the people in the world and how they want to use it, i.e., I went to church somewhere, I go to church somewhere, that automatically makes me a Christian. What makes an individual a Christian is not the building where they worship at. What makes an individual a Christian is the one that they are following. Are you following Christ Jesus? If you are following Christ Jesus, then you are in essence a Christ follower. and You are in essence a Christian because that is the way It was intended, when we read that at Acts chapter 11, verse 26. Acts 11, verse 26, the Bible reads, And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year they met with the church and taught a great many people. And check out what it says next. And in Antioch, the disciples of Christ, Jesus, were first called Christians. So don't be afraid of this word. Don't be afraid of this word. God gave it to us. If you are a disciple of Christ, a follower of Christ, a Christ follower, then yes, you are a Christian. And there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing to be ashamed of. And what we need to do as Christians is stop letting people dictate to us the words that we can use. Because it get to the point where they tell us we can't even say God. Because... They use it. We can't say Christ because they use it. We can't say baptism because they use it. God used it first. God used it first. And his power can't be usurped. So these individuals then that we're talking about, these Christians, what it is is this right here. They have an awe-inspired, reverent respect of God. They are not afraid of who can kill the body. They have an awe-inspired, reverent respect of the one who can kill the body and the soul. And the only one that's capable of doing that is God himself. This is how I wrap my mind around it. You may wrap your mind around it differently. But you know what? What we may end up finding is that at the end of the day, we're both doing the same thing and that we are churchgoers we are we are pious we are we are, we are righteous we are etc cetera, etc etc we're doing the things that god will have us do according to his word david now relies on his full knowledge and he rejects the darkness in which he once tried to hide verse 19 oh that you would slay the wicked O oh god depart from me therefore men of bloodshed for they speak against you wickedly and your enemies take your name in vain verse 21 do I not hate those who hate you O Lord and do I not loathe those who rise up against you I hate them with the utmost hatred they have become my enemies David David confident that god knows him david confident that god knows how he feels he asks god to destroy his enemies now there's an idea here the idea here is this right here the idea that's not expressed is that the enemies don't know god the enemies that he's talking about refuse to acknowledge god the enemies refuse to be known by god therefore they deserve to be punished verse 23 search me O God know my heart try me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there be any hurtful way in me and lead me in the everlasting way the last stage the last stage sees David asking God to completely know him this represents his full surrender behold before rather before he looked for ways to hide from god he looked for places that he could that could be kept secret if you will but once he realized that God's knowledge had always been there always been there it's been there to create it's been there to preserve it's been there to protect then David started things doing things differently and thinking differently because he opens his heart and what does he do next he invites God to search and know and examine him deeply Hmm. rhetorical question. Have I opened my heart and asked such things of God regarding myself? At this point, David wants God's knowledge to heal him of his anxieties, of his sinfulness, of his infidelities. Rhetorical question What do I want from God? Do I want him to heal me of my anxieties, my sinfulness, and my infidelities? David's final plea is for God to take him by the hand and lead him to heaven. Why? Because he no—he is no longer afraid. He now has this awe-inspired, reverent fear. I'm sorry, respect this awe inspired reverent respect of god of you god have you have you ever contemplated where you are in the process of being known by god are we still hiding things are living a double life, if you will, pretending that God may not see or care about our secrets. Hopefully, hopefully, we moved away from this this immature stage of development and arrived at the point in our lives where we can rejoice, we can praise We can have confidence in God. Why? Because God knows. When I say God knows, what am I saying? God knows how I feel and God knows why I feel this way. God knows what I need. God knows when to act. God knows how to solve my problems. And finally, God knows who I really am. Oh, and he still loves me. He knows who I really am and still loves me. I pray that as I press on in and to Christian maturity I not only have confidence that that God knows me but I consciously invite God in to examine me in every way to heal me of my sins and my weaknesses. To discipline, discipline me like sons and daughters. To change me for the better. To fill me with his love. To use me in his service. And finally to help me know him. In the way that he knows me. Intimately. This total submission. Submission to the scrutiny of God is the final stage of mind development in Christian maturity there's one question I have for you all tonight and it is a rhetorical question think about it answer it to yourself and trust me God will hear you <laughs> he will hear you and the question is this how can I use this lesson How can I use this lesson to grow spiritually? How can I use this lesson to grow spiritually? And how can I use this lesson to help others come into a relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Thank you for being here this evening. This lesson is yours. I ask you to join us next week as we go into installment number four. And the following week as we go into installment number five. Thank you all. We probably got a few minutes to fellowship.